America is an amazing country filled with wonderful people who do incredible things. But too often, the media and liberal politicians ignore big parts of our nation and the people who make it work. So I'm speaking with leaders and policymakers who deal with real problems every day. I'm Ronna McDaniel, and this is Real America. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Blake Masters, the Republican nominee for Senate in Arizona. We're going to cover everything from the border crisis to big tech bias to Biden's disastrous economic policies. I am so excited to have on Real America, Blake Masters, our great Senate candidate from Arizona. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I am. Um, first, I want to congratulate you on winning your primary. It was a lot. In August primary, late primary. Um, we're really excited to have you as our nominee, and I'm excited for everybody to get to know you a little bit better. But I'm starting and ending every podcast now with, how do we support you? So while you're listening, please go and give to Blake Masters. So what is the best way to donate to your campaign? Very simple. Just go to BlakeMasters.com. We Blake make Masters. the donation button, the biggest one, right there, front and center. All right. So please give to Blake Masters. Yes. Um, I know this, and I've said this multiple times, we have the best candidates with the best message. If we have the resources to put that out, we win every single race. And Arizona is the race to make us 51 in the Senate totally, and take back the Senate and stop this radical Democrat agenda. So please, please support him. Uh, but I do want to get to know you a little bit better. So I was reading about you. You married your college or your high school sweetheart? High school sweetheart. Yeah, we met in middle school. You actually, did? In Tucson. Catherine was the new girl in school. She was in seventh grade. Okay. Uh, and I was in eighth grade. I was one year above. And for me, it was kind of like um, I was interested right away. I okay. sort of knew. Interest and, at first sight. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, love at first sight is just too cliche. Yeah, right? I know. But exactly. no, I, I was like, she's, she's the one. And um, it took me a few years of effort to convince her to date me, but we started dating in high school. Oh my and, gosh, uh, that's such a rare thing to yeah. marry your high school sweetheart. And you have three little boys. Three beautiful boys. Yeah, what ages? 10 years, and then we, um, uh, Miles is eight, Graham is six, and Rex is two. So oh. eight, six, and two. Three I boys. I love those names. I know, and if you see your ad, if you anybody goes and watches his ads, his boys do make a cameo in one I was just talking. One of them knocks over a glass of water. It's really cute. But it's they a are chaotic darling. household, but they're just the best. Oh, I love it. And then... Um, you ended up working, you, you you wrote a book, Zero to One, one of the best-selling books on, I think the best-selling book on how to st- do a startup. Um, you did a startup uh, website. I don't know what it was called. You, you can answer that. But you've been in the big tech space. You've been a businessman. Talk about your background a little bit. Yeah, well, I went out um, to Stanford and Stanford Law School, and okay. that's where I linked up with Peter Thiel, who, yep. of course, is one of the greatest technology investors Absolutely. in the world. And... Um, stalwart political conservative and a friend of my campaign, of course. Um, but I started investing in tech startups. I founded a startup, and, and Peter and I wrote this book together based on a class that he had taught at Stanford. And the book was kind of an unexpected but runaway bestseller. It okay. sold three or four million copies worldwide, and it is the, uh, the most popular book this century on entrepreneurship. And narrowly, it's about business, but it's also about uh, politics, if you know how to read it right, zooming out, why is our society so stagnant, what's gone wrong, um, why are planes moving slower than they did 30 or 40 years huh. ago, right? Um, and so it's this sort of meditation on stagnation and how do we actually unleash innovation, not just in business, but maybe in government and in culture. And um, so that was great. And I've been working for him. Uh, I, I think I worked for him for six or seven years after that, mostly investing in tech startups, right? Trying to find really innovative companies, give them some capital, see what happens. Hopefully the they succeed and the world gets new technology, which we need more of, um, and, and we make money. But of course, we were also very political and 
Peter got very involved with President Trump's he campaign did, yep. in 2016. And as his right-hand man, I got to to help with that. And that was a, a real honor. So how do you go from writing a book on tech startups, investing in tech startups, coming from Stanford and saying, you know what, I'm going to go run for the United States Senate. How yeah. does that happen? It was uh, it was a process. You know, I, I, I was involved with President Trump's transition team okay. in uh, late 2016, early 2017. And so that was, you know, I'd read all the all the books, Ayn Rand, Milton Friedman, Federalist, Anti-Federalist Papers, all that, all that stuff. Um, but, but actually being in Trump Tower and then going to D.C. and liaising with the Obama officials, and all of a sudden you really see how the machinery of government works and mostly how it doesn't work. Mostly and how so it doesn't work. I thought, I, you know, I met a lot of senators and congressmen at the time, and that's when I got the bug a little bit, like, hey, maybe I could do this and make a change. Um, but then I went back to my career, and actually it was a family tragedy. Uh, we lost my sister-in-law to oh, um, to suicide. I'm so sorry. In um, Thank you. In, I mean, horrible. Late, uh, late 2017, this is something that you never think can happen to your family, right? No. But actually so many families are, are struggling. Right People are dealing with this stuff as as things in our world just continue to, to work less and less well, it seems. But um, horrible, horrible family tragedy, but she, she passed away in Tucson while Catherine and I were still living in California. So we came home. My parents were in Tucson. Catherine's parents were in Tucson. And we just started spending a lot of time there. Um, got a got a place there. And uh, it just, you know, it was home. I grew up there and she grew up there and we wanted to be and there. You did what families do. You come together. We came tragedy. together. And so mid-2018, we were in Tucson full-time. And, um, you know, the state had changed. The city that I grew up in had changed. They just got more and more blue. I still think Arizona's a red state, and we're going to prove too. that in November. But it has changed. It's not as uh, it's more of a swing state now than it was when I was a kid. And so to get plugged in and get integrated, but then all of a sudden, boom, November 2018, November 2020, we lose two Senate seats mm-hmm. in Arizona. Right, those Senate seats were ruby red when I was a kid. Um, you didn't have to think about it, and I think that's part of the problem. People got complacent. Oh, Arizona's a red state. Well, no, you need to do the work every year, every week, every day. Uh, But we lose those two Senate seats. And when Mark Kelly was sworn in, that's when I really started thinking, hey, maybe I'm going to run for office here. I gave him a few months to see how he was going to vote. Because remember, Mark Kelly promised to be independent. Yeah, which has been anything but. And then you just see him voting in lockstep for the Joe Biden agenda. And I knew that wasn't going to work. It's been even worse than I expected. Um, but yeah, early last year, mid last year, I threw my hat in the ring. I said, I can beat that guy. And this is important. And you had such a competitive primary and Arizona. I hate this about Arizona. I love Arizona. I told you this. My college roommate was from, um, Mesa. I spent a lot of time in Arizona, but, um, you have an August primary, which I hate. It's way too late. I think it totally favors incumbents because it pits Republicans against each other until the very end. And then you have a very li- limited time to regroup and beat the Democrat. Democrat incumbents love it. Um, and Arizona is such a late primary. But you are in the in the striking distance on the polls. You can beat Mark Kelly. Um, I, I do want to talk about him a little bit because he is playing hide-and-seek. He is following the playbook of Joe Biden of 2020, stay in the basement, do anything you can to make sure the voters don't actually know where you stand on an issue. He's ducking debates. Um, So tell me how you're going to make sure that voters know that he is in lockstep with Biden, which is very out of step with Arizonans. That's it. That's just the message we're spreading every day. It's twofold. It's the Democrats in charge have failed. Joe Biden has failed. People know this. We can remind them the specific ways, but Biden's underwater in Arizona. Yeah. And the, the independence that I need to vote Republican in November, by two to one, it's like 66%, don't like Joe Biden. They want to send a senator in to check Biden and his agenda. And so we just have to connect Biden's failure with Mark Kelly's voting record. 
And it's the most honest thing in the world because they're one and the same. It Mark is- Kelly, he pretends to be independent, but that's just all his money on his fancy TV commercials. It's a lie. Yeah, He's actually the most... Uh, uh, he votes in lockstep with Joe Biden. He's he's Biden's sidekick. He's Biden's most loyal lieutenant in the Senate. And I think on, on this one issue, which is our whole country is dealing with, which is immigration, which is such a big issue in Arizona. Paint for our listeners and our viewers what is happening in Arizona with the border and the Biden failures and the Kelly failures in your state. So it's a complete open border. At this point, it really is. It's totally open, right? Joe Biden, yeah, and they caused this crisis. I'm not going to pretend it was ever perfect at the southern border, but man, under President Trump, it was pretty darn good. It was under control. Actually, I talked to Border Patrol agents, and they even say under Obama, it was okay. They say under Obama, it was B, B minus. So if somebody came to Arizona right now and you took them to the border, what would they see? What would they see? You see a lot of border wall, but if you just drive a few miles in any one direction, you see gaps in the border wall. And the cartels are not stupid, right? They know where those gaps are. And it actually almost helps them uh, filter people through. And Biden, of course, halted construction on the border wall. So you've got yep. these giant gaps. And then he reversed all of Trump's policies, like remain in Mexico, mm-hmm. right? And now Biden, he just hamstrings our brave men and women of Border Patrol. So He's turned them into people processing in? agents. People yeah. can pour in. I've literally seen, we've been down at the, the border filming commercials, and you just see groups of people Pouring in. in. And you know what? This isn't good for them. Oh, it's it, horrible. People are being trafficked. Kids are being trafficked. Drugs are coming across. These people are having to pay the cartels and the coyotes all of their money. Indentured servitude. The women and children are being uh, horribly abused, sold into sexual slavery. Uh, The kids have phone numbers written on their hands, right? They're told that, oh, call this number. A relative will come pick you up. No, a cartel agent is going to come pick them up. And, And those kids are just... They're lost, right? They're lost. And, and the they, fentanyl that's coming through, it's killing American teenagers. Like, it really is this lawless zone. And Biden and Mark Kelly have turned over our whole southern border to the murderous drug cartels. The cartels are in charge. And our border crazy. patrol's underfunded, understaffed, right? And they're literally not allowed by the Biden administration to do their jobs. And, and it's a humanitarian issue for those people being abused coming. But also it's becoming a crime issue and a drug issue and— all types of issues in Arizona's on the front lines of that. Is this what voters are talking about in Arizona? How big Absolutely. of an issue is this? Do they Absolutely. understand that Mark Kelly's failing on this? We're connecting the dots. We're yep. helping, right? We got to get the message out. Yep. This is the one advantage Mark Kelly has is tremendous money. resources, money. We're being outspent 10 to 1. There's a David Goliath type dynamic to this funding. Um, but we're using every dollar we have, uh, I think, you know, smarter and more effectively than the Kelly campaign is. And we just have to get the message out. Mark Kelly, he's showing up on TV pretending to care about border security. I'm worried about inflation. I'm worried about border security. It's like, Mark, you've been in the Senate voting like Bernie Sanders to prop up Joe Biden's failed agenda. And Mark Kelly could have stopped it. I have to remind people, right? One senator in a deadlocked Senate, like Biden needed Mark Kelly's vote. Mark Kelly a year ago could have said, Mr. President, you're not getting a single thing from me, not a single vote for an appointee, no funding, unless and until we get some border security. And he had that leverage. Biden would have had to finish the wall. Biden would have had to hire more Border Patrol agents. He but absolutely because did, it's only didn't one, do it. right? Where it's 50-50 Senate. So one goes away. He could have done something. He stops Biden's failed. agenda, and he chose not to. I heard you say that, actually. We opened one of our Hispanic community centers, and you were there because you're everywhere working so hard, and you gave that speech, and it I thought it resonated. And then the other thing is Mark Kelly voted for 87,000 IRS agents instead of 
shoring up our border patrol, knowing, because he's talking to these agents, he knows it's his state, and he is showing his priorities through his voting and then hiding from the people of Arizona. That's the whole campaign in a nutshell. Yeah. Maybe that's a really good ad you just wrote for us. It's like, (laughs) Mark Kelly rejected hiring 20,000 new border patrol agents. We only have about 19,000. We need the extra 20,000. He rejected hiring 20,000 border patrol agents. He said, no, we don't need that. What he wanted instead was 87,000 new IRS agents, some of them armed, apparently. Yeah. Like, that just shows you what his priorities are. It's, it's a America whole stadium. Lasts, it's probably the Cardinal Stadium, right? I don't know how many people can fit in the Cardinal <laughs> Stadium, lot. but just imagine, and they're probably running concessions too, right? And tailgating, right? All the IRS agents, but oh, heaven forbid we help our border patrol. Uh, he's so bad. You know, I, I worked, um, obviously, I was with the RNC in 2020, and we saw he's so good at hiding. And um, one of the things that we found in our polling and our focus groups is we can beat these candidates when we use their own words against them, but he purposefully dodges Mm -hmm. interviews. He purposefully doesn't debate because he doesn't want his own words out there at all on any of these issues. You have to give him credit. He's just a Borg. You know, he's just a a cog in the Democrat machine, but it's an efficient machine. It's the campaign that it's it's their only choice. They don't, they have such a bad record to run on. Their only choice is to hide him away and use all that money. But I think all that money is just going to remind voters how fake and packaged he is. It totally. And Blake, you're doing such a great job. And I and I want to applaud you because we know the Democrats have enough money and they have made a decision to make this election about abortion. They're trying to say this is all about this issue. Like every like every voter wakes up and they can only think about one issue all day, right? And we know this isn't the top issue, but they're going to spend the money to try and make this issue. And what I love about you is you are one of the first candidates in our party who just took it head on. So talk about what they're doing on that issue and how you addressed it in Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm pro-life, and I'm proud to be pro-life, and I'll never run from that. Uh, But I was tired of seeing Mark Kelly lie about me on TV, right? He's got these horrible ads where he's, I mean, they're probably effective, right? uh, But but he's trying to scare people and say, oh, well, Blake wants to refuse your daughter health care if she has an ectopic pregnancy or something like this, which is absurd. It's It's, a lie. It's just a a lie. It's a flat lie. No Republicans against it. But they're trying to terrify people and, oh, Republicans are coming for your rights. So I thought, no, let's not play defense. Let's flip the script. Let's play offense. And I get up there and I say, hey, look, thank God that the Supreme Court overturned Roe. Now the fight goes to the state legislatures. And states are going to make different decisions about how to, how to regulate abortion. Um, but I believe in some limits. And even at the federal level, I believe in limits. And 90% of Arizonans agree. Like, yes. at least we should ban partial birth abortion. Like, are you kidding me? Late-term abortion, month seven, eight, and nine. Right? You could debate where the limits should be, but you can't debate that there need to be limits. Except exactly. you know who doesn't agree with that? Mark Kelly, the radical Democrats, they literally believe in unlimited abortion on demand up until birth, sometimes after birth, and they want the taxpayers to fund it. And that is such a monstrous policy position. They're so beholden to the Planned Parenthood lobby. It's indefensible. So I tell voters, that's what Mark Kelly believes, and let him defend that. Well, especially, you know, voters, this is a personal issue. People feel strongly about it on, on many different ways. But to say to somebody who is is pro-life, that your taxpayer dollars are going to fund that instead of your kids' education when we know we have deficits coming out of the pandemic or border patrol agents or more police on the streets, that this is our priority with your money to fund something that you have a right to disagree with. And it is a personal issue. It's so upsetting. And the other thing I think is so hypocritical and just such a lie from the Democrats when they say, oh, women's health. You know what they support? Gender selection abortions where a parent can go in and say, 
oh, I don't like the sex of my baby. I don't like the gender. And you know who they normally abort in that situation? Women. So don't tell me about women's health when you think it's okay to abort a baby just because it's a woman. Give me a break. They're so full of crap. So I'm so glad. I hope everyone goes and looks at your ad. You took him on. You said, you know where he is? He's with North Korea and China. And that's the company you want to keep. That's where Mark, Mark Kelly Kelly's is. your guy. So he can go drink a, a, a beer and act like a nice guy, but he is so out of step with Arizona. Uh, what are the issues you're hearing? We talked about immigration. We know that there's crime issues. What are the main issues you're hearing? You've been traveling the state for a year and a half. So what are Arizonans worried about with this election? There's so many because everything that Biden and Harris and Mark Kelly touched is on is fire so right now, right? But it's illegal immigration. It's crime. Those are adjacent, right? They're not related. But but homicide in Phoenix is up 50% wow. since 2019. Homicide in my hometown of Tucson is up 87%. Oh, my gosh. Since 2019. That means literally almost twice as many people are being killed. Like just baseline law and order, right? And it's not just in Arizona. You see it nationwide. There's a Biden crime wave. The Democrats, they are the culture, the party of defund the police. Like they're uncomfortable with the very idea of police, which is crazy. And so baseline law and order, that's a huge issue. Um, Obviously the economy, inflation, right? Prices are getting higher and higher. Do Um, they they understand that it's Biden's fault? Do they get that? So what do you say? Because this is what we're saying is if you say inflation, that's one thing, but people go, yeah, I know there's inflation, but I don't necessarily blame Biden, Biden for that. So how do you Blake Masters, the Senate candidate, say, let me show you what Biden has done and Mark Kelly has done that has caused this. Absolutely. Well, you just go through the chronology, right? And right. I don't even like talking about uh, in terms of inflation, right? Inflation is an abstract economic it term. It's the Democrats have made everything cost too much. Mm-hmm. And you can walk them through. It's like the second thing Biden did in office, the first thing was cancel the border wall, which was a disaster. But the second thing was he canceled the Keystone Pipeline. Yeah. And that was his declaration of war against the fossil fuel industry, right? We were energy independent under President Trump. Absolutely. We worked hard to achieve it, and it was amazing, and gas was $2. And energy, it's the master resource. It's the master input. And when you artificially make energy expensive by surrendering our energy independence, by making war on fossil fuels, well, you send the price of gas to the moon, you send energy to the moon, and that just makes everything more expensive. Because everything needs energy. Everything needs energy. And then that, you know, that would have been bad enough. But then they start printing trillions and trillions of dollars, right? And thank goodness Build Back Better didn't pass. But they still got the, the multi-trillion dollar infrastructure bill. They still got this hundred billion dollar, multi-hundred billion dollar inflation reduction act. Yeah. Right? They just tax and spend, tax and spend, and that makes these inflation problems worse. And normal people, yeah, it's like people don't read Milton Friedman. That's fine. People are busy with their lives. But people understand when Joe Biden just prints money, $6 trillion, that makes every dollar you have in your wallet worth less. And it makes the prices go up. And the Democrats cause this. It's just that simple. And then on top of that, they say, you know what else we're going to do? We're going to give student loan forgiveness. Student loan forgiveness. You know, it's another trillion dollars. They don't care. Um, They don't care about the pain. They don't even hear it. I don't even think they hear the pain that you're hearing every day, the concern people have. Um, So how do we get these people to vote? Like, what are you seeing as the number one driver for turning out voters in Arizona for Blake Masters? We really, you know, it's the bellwether question in polling. Do you think that the country's on the right track? Mm-hmm. And when you, depending on exactly how you ask, between 70 and 80% of people will say no. Yeah. The country's going in the wrong direction. And it's like, now you have that opportunity, right? The 20% of people will never get. If they think everything's great, if you love the, the high inflation and the high crime and chaos, uh, if you want uh, America to look more like Venezuela, 
continue to vote Democrat. You know, you've got candidates there. Uh, but if you want to change, we're on the right track. What's the first thing you do when you're heading in the wrong way, right? You turn around. Exactly. And so you turn around by voting for Republicans up and down the ticket, all the way from governor. And what to are the things you're board. running that you say, I'm going to do this if you elect me? These are these are my priorities as your senator. Priority one, stop the bleeding, stop the Biden agenda, yeah. right? But it's not enough to just play defense. We have to go on offense, right? I want nuclear power. It's like, yeah, I, God blessed us with abundant natural resources. We should be drilling. We should be fracking. I am pro-fossil fuels. All of the above. I'm a little bit skeptical of like, you know, the government subsidized wind and solar and stuff like that. Um, those technologies could be interesting, but I, I don't want the government to pick winners and losers. But what's a, what's a clear uh, proven thing to do is nuclear power. Yeah. So like, why aren't we investing more in nuclear while also being pro-drilling and fracking, right? That we can be energy independent again. I'm also talking about an economy where you can raise a family on one single income. Wow. You know, like we used to have that. In we used country. to have that. We did. And then you could talk about what happened and it's decades of globalization and inflation, but you can't really do that anymore. And so why don't Republicans, certainly Democrats have abandoned the working class, they've abandoned the middle class, but I want Republicans to talk more about what can we do to make it once again possible to raise a family on one single income if the parents choose. Yeah. Right. I'm not telling anyone how to live their lives, exactly. but wouldn't it be nice to be prosperous enough to have one parent, you know, be the breadwinner and one parent stay at home with the kids? Well, you know, there's an article, and I think it's in it was NPR today that just talked about that the largest group that is becoming homeless right now is single mothers mm. because they can't afford rent, and they are they are the the largest group we've seen in the past two job reports, uh, two hundred or three hundred thousand people entering the part-time workforce because they can't make ends meet. I mean, think about a single mom who is homeless with her child in a car because this economy is so bad. And it's not that they're not working. It's that they cannot make ends meet under this. It is hard to pay for gas and groceries and insurance and a car and a home and rent. It is killing people right now. And it is forcing them to be homeless. What you're talking about could you imagine a family with just one income being able to survive right now in this economy? And it's just, it makes the Democrats' economic policy just, it, it's revealed for what it is. It's cruel. It's cruel. Under Biden and Mark Kelly's uh, economic policies, median wages, the amount of money people actually make, is going down. Mm -hmm. And costs for everything are going up. And That's the opposite up. of what you want. Yeah. Just three years ago, when the economy was humming under competent Republican administration— you had median wages rising for the first time in decades. Workers were making more money, and then costs were either stable or they were falling. Exactly. And so it's just, it's, it's this and we experience, were night and independent. day. We were energy independent. We had a border under control under Trump. I mean, night and day. the thing that I think is so dishonest, too, is Biden will say, oh, I've had the greatest economic recovery. Well, you know, we had a pandemic. We shut the whole economy down. So yeah. you're, you're starting from a It's like Biden. <laughs> he sends the price of gas from $2 to $5. And then, then it goes down. to four dollars, and it's like, look at how fast it's going down, I know. right? And it's They're like, no, so I'm dishonest. telling you, definitely Republicans, but also independents and a lot of Democrats, right? People are not stupid. People are paying attention, and they see that, and it's they just know it's lies. So, one final question, I'm going to ask you, with your area of expertise, being a venture capitalist, working with big tech startup, and the book that you wrote, how do we tackle big tech and the bias that we are seeing across the board? You know, the RNC filed an FEC complaint against Google. Google um, was suppressing about 80% of Republican emails. Oh, yeah. Right sending to spam. Right to spam. The Democrats, top and of the inbox. Less than 10% of the Democrats. I mean, there's with so many Gmail accounts out there, I mean, there's no question that that's them putting their thumb on the scale. What do you think with your background that you can bring to the Senate to help 
with this bias. I got a lot of ideas here, a lot of policy proposals. You hear a lot about Section 230. Yeah. And yeah, I do think we need to repeal that liability or reform it, right? Yeah. These companies, they pretend that they're neutral public, you know, uh, platforms, right? Yeah. And, and they're not publishers. No, they're censoring conservatives disproportionately. They're really putting their thumb on the scale. They're editorializing. So we're going to treat them like publishers, right? Not plot. Fine. You do that, it's good, solves like 3% of the problem. I think we need to go so much further. I think we need to regulate the big social companies like common carriers, right? So Facebook, Twitter, right? They apparently can just censor us whenever they want, but no, why wouldn't we treat them more like the phone company? Exactly. Like the phone company can't listen to you and I have a conversation and say, oh, that's I don't like what they're talking about. And yeah. shut them down. The phone company would probably love to do that, by the way, <laughs> but we ban them by law from discriminating, right? It's got to be open uh, and, and neutral for everybody. And so in 2022, why on earth wouldn't we hold Twitter and Facebook to the same standard as the phone company? Right, and then we may have to go further. I think Republicans uh, should rediscover our history with antitrust. Right, Theodore Roosevelt knew Barry Goldwater from Arizona knew that private concentration of capital in in just uh, extremely concentrated malignant forms can violate people's liberties just as much as government, especially when they work with government. Right, Zuckerberg just admitted, yeah, that, that Facebook they, yeah. basically worked with the FBI. I think the FBI forced Facebook to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story. In the weeks before the 2020 election, I'm convinced that that, I used to think it was just corporate censorship, but now apparently the FBI forced Facebook to do it. That's basically fascism, right? It's this yeah. fusion of state power and corporate power, and they put their thumb on the scale to change the results of the presidential election. And now Biden's in office, and look how bad everything is. Like, we need to break up these companies if they're going to behave that way. I think your knowledge base on this and your expertise in this area and with what we're seeing in our current you know, state of social media, you are exactly the right person at the right time to tackle this issue. You know, because not every senator comes, you know, Chuck Grassley is, you know, he's he's doing corn, right? In, in Iowa, not that he doesn't understand it, but I'm just saying you're, this is the right thing for you to do with the immigration with this. I hope everyone comes and supports you. You're going to win. I believe gonna you're going to win. And don't listen to the media and don't listen. They're trying to depress turnout. They try and depress you through fake polls. They try and depress um, resources going into your state. Um, the RNC is all in. We are all in in Arizona, Thank and you. I believe in you. One more time, how do we give to your campaign if we want to support you? Thank you. Very simple. Just go to blakemasters.com. Okay, and then one final just fun question. Yeah. Like, what has been, has there been a moment or a thing that you've enjoyed the most during campaigning because it's such a fun thing and it's hard it's grueling it's so much work you're away from your family you got these three beautiful young boys but has there been something that you didn't expect or that you've enjoyed so much I I really just enjoy meeting people yeah I really do and you know it's 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 fun even at the level of you know we shake hands and trade barbs about Joe Biden and you know Mark Kelly and he's horrible and all that but I'm I'm always um honored when you know, you connect with somebody after just two or three minutes of conversation, maybe all of a sudden a mom is telling me how she lost her son in Afghanistan mm. or, you know, her husband just overdosed from fentanyl or something. You know, this doesn't happen every day, but it happens quite a lot. And these stories stay with me. And when people, um, when people pray for me and my family, and again, it's not about me, but it's about what they see me trying to do for Arizona. Like there's just these, you collect these anecdotes and these moments that are just really, really personal. And um, I guess I didn't expect that. Yeah, when it I has to out. fuel how important this is. Doesn't oh, yeah. it just give you like, what I'm doing means so much. That's right. So thank you. Thank you for stepping into 
this arena. It's not a nice arena. It's not, it's a, Thank you for doing it. Thank yeah. your wife and your kids. I will. And um, let's all go vote let's and press support on Blake and Masters. Go vote and we're going to win. And win back the Senate. All right. Thanks for being on my podcast. Thanks, Blake. Of course. Thank you. I'm Ronna McDaniel, and this is what Republicans stand for. Join us next time on Real America. Paid for by the Republican National Committee, not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee, www.gop.com.